Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Merry Christmas, ho, 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 happy holidays from 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luckett, and we are happy to be with you in this festive bowl season. College football bowl season's here, Adam Luckett, and I mean, we it's weird. It was here while Conference Championship weekend was happening. It's it's just, there's, there's yeah. it's not stopping at all. The Frisco Bowl was actually was supposed to happen that day. It was got canceled. SMU. I think had some COVID issues and they had to back out. I'm trying to think who they were supposed to play. It's like UTSA. UTSA, yeah, and UTSA moved their bowl game. Um, to SMU's else. had COVID like every other week. That American yeah. Football Conference, not good at keeping COVID under control. Yeah, all I year think. Long. Yeah, <laughs> they've, been, yeah. they've been one of the yeah. worst conferences all year long. Sonny Dykes, man, he's running a little tighter ship there in <laughs> Dallas, but. Let's talk about the selection process. Ooh, Be- let's because, do this because this I've, is ridiculous. I'm going So let's 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 college football. There's a lot of great things about it. We talk about it a lot on here, but the not having any jurisdiction over how they crown a champion, it really screws up on the bowl selection Sunday because there's no. You have a college football playoff show that ESPN just like they just are terrible. Like what? Have they, they stretch not, it thin, man. My God, it was so bad. It was here's the three teams you know are in. Now let's talk about them for for another two minutes and then show you the fourth team. Oh yeah, and we already knew who the fourth team was going to be anyway. In the middle of an NFL Sunday with fantasy playoffs going on, <laughs> it makes no sense. No, I, I I don't I don't understand it. It drives me crazy every year. I even tweeted about it on Saturday night. I was preparing myself because I knew I was going to be mad watching that tomorrow uh, tomorrow on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It just it makes no no sense. So why we have to wait until six o'clock to find out these bowl games? Well, it makes zero sense. And and the thing too, it took it takes them like two hours to get to the New Year Six. I mean, the you know who they are as soon as the playoffs announced. Like, why are you taking that long? I yeah. get and McMurphy's leaking all these out anyway. Well, He's become woge almost. And here's the thing. I would be perfectly content if they waited till two and then just did the entire bowl selection show. And then McMurphy spoiled it. Kind of like when we got the, the, the NCAA tournament bracket spoiled one year. But like nobody's going to tune into your show, ESPN, if the, it's not all at once. How we cannot have just, um, you know, for the Gasparilla Bowl, they open up the treasure chest and there's the two teams in there. Like that's... It's so easy. That makes me care so much more about it. How can you not have a system that's organized where all of the uh, all of the people in their different colored blazers and their bowl committees cannot just like talk with one another and reach a decision by this time? It's okay if it leaks out, fine. But at least make it one show where all the news is announced in unison instead of this gobbledygook we've got now. Anything's better than what they they have, but a lot of that is we've talked about. College football is all these conference conferences operating as separate entities. So it's a lot of it's six, seven, eight, nine different parties looking out for the best interests of their, you know, of their 11, 12 employees. So you have a lot of miscommunication and stuff, and it's not people aren't under one umbrella. So that I think that plays a big part in why we have messed up situations like the one we just had. And of course, the big story was the playoff and G5 never having a chance and all that and the playoff expansion. <laughs> it's all we talk about the playoff. It's uh, just it's, it's uh it's just never ending. And until college football gets um kind of a chief operating body, it's just gonna be this way. And that's just that's what we have to look forward to. And that's why Ohio State's played five, six games, they're going to the the final four. 
where Alabama has played 11 games. Notre Dame has played 10 <laughs> games. Clemson has played 10 games. Yeah, I, I would – we Notre Dame – or excuse me, Alabama is the best team in the country. I mean, it's not really close, but it's a real damn shame they couldn't cover that 17-point spread against Florida. That was – I thought that was a lock, pop, and drop them. Easiest cover of the century. They let Florida hang around and just throw it up to Kyle Pitts. I mean, Florida just they're, – they're so, they've been – They had it at the half. They just had those – they came out, and I think they got stopped three times in a row. And yeah. that was kind of how – that's how Florida covered that game. And they threw that fade up to uh, – uh, now I can't think of his name. What, what the hell? The the big they're big Trayvon like, Grimes yeah Tra- Trayvon Grimes they th- that fade got, you know and forty yard touchdown right out of half is like oh okay we can we can hang around in this game that did a lot for him um, so mm-hmm. nevertheless it um championship weekend was about as boring as it normally is I don't why does it get so much hype it, it when was the last time we had a good championship game I guess you get like a half of the Big Ten championship game but that's it. Yeah, it was a. I mean, if you had money on Alabama or Florida, that game was interesting, but it never—it was never really close. Like, Alabama. it was an exciting game, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, true. you were entertained the entire time watching that. I, 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 but I will these, admit uh, that I this conference champ- in the fourth quarter <laughs> conference championship week is—it's it's kind of been a dud. Yeah, it's not been like good. I think they were whole, like when they they wanted something similar to like what college basketball has the weekend of the conference tournaments, which can be kind of exciting, but usually chalk ends up holding, but you, mm-hmm. but they don't, you just don't have as many games and it's usually uh, the cream rises to the cro- uh, the top. And usually Clemson, Alabama, all these teams are peaking at this time. So they, they usually just bulldoze <laughs> whoever they play. And that's, right. that's been a lot. That's made a lot of boring Saturdays um, for this conference uh, for this championship Saturday. It's definitely made it not as it's exciting. I think that they thought it would be when they had when the playoffs started and when you saw all the conferences move to have championship games. But championship weekend come and gone. Uh, there was some NFL games sprinkled in there too. It was just a big mess this weekend in college football. But now we have bowl games happening across the country. Teams are opting out. Uh, it took less than twenty four hours for the army of college football journos to that were cheering for army to get army into a bowl game thanks to tennis suck which well, can't we just gotta spend some time talking about tennessee for a second because like i am not buying i, I know you're with me here and maybe this is you training my brain because you hate full former so much I'm not buying this whole they're leaking out an NCAA investigation conveniently right when they're trying to fire everybody. That seems way too convenient. I will say with all that, like that came out what Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon or that time before the, the game kicked off. Right. I read that and thought like, this isn't like that big of a deal. Like to me, it just, or maybe this is, this seems like just nothing too major. Slap on the wrist kind of stuff, like what they did with Florida today. Right. Well, yeah, or just that Tennessee caught wind of something. Um, but that is the guy in that is their that's their top recruiting recruiter, Brian Niedermeyer. He's by far that's their Vince Merrill. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Pruitt's Vince Merrill is Brian Niedermeyer. And he was the guy that tweeted out the picture of him next to the beer barrel. Mm hmm. Um, so if like a real they, turd, if they're gonna like, if they were to fire pro it tomorrow, you would want to keep Niedermeyer around <laughs> for sure. So I, that's, I don't, I don't know. See that to me, it didn't seem like a, a leak. And I would love for it to be a leak because I, I love jumping all over that uh, any type of uh, foam or conspiracy theories. I just think it's more that there's just a mess there. Like it's just an absolute mess. And really appreciate. The guys who just keep painting the rock fire Jeremy Pruitt. Mm-hmm. And they even put, we have more paint than you after people kept trying to paint over it. <laughs> but there is, I mean, there's definitely a, um, there's definitely a lot of rumors going around that town. Um, 
we've heard Hugh Free. There's been some Hugh Freeze rumors out there. Um, now their bowl game is canceled. So I don't. It's going to be an interesting, I guess, week or two to see what they do. But if nothing really happens, you know, it's it's Pruitt year four, and we probably know how that's going to end. My favorite thing in all the Hugh Freeze rumors, like it, is like the code words that they use. So it'll be like a screenshot from a UT message board. Yeah, yeah. Just talk, just talk to my my buddy whose daddy's a big donor. And he sent him this message. It's freezing right now in Knoxville. Cold just, front I, coming through. Yeah, they're all like <laughs> weather-related puns. Yeah. They're so bad. I yeah. just, I absolutely love it. College football, they're freaking nuts. And especially down at Tennessee, where Tennessee, they think they're God's gift of football. And then same thing with Auburn. Like, Auburn, I get it. The boosters, they wanted, they, they were tired of Gus Malzahn. But the, it, it's almost like the people who are caught in the moment of the Cal stuff and they're just like, okay, we're going to fire somebody, but we're not going to have anybody lined up. Except in this case, they had their defensive coordinator lined up who has only been a good defensive coordinator, was a terrible head coach. And also, Auburn, we, I don't know. There's just so many things that didn't make sense about just what Auburn has been doing for the last two and a half weeks before they finally hired um, the Boise State head coach Tuesday night. What, what's his name? Lucky? Brian Harson. There you go. Uh, I do want to say this about Auburn. Props to their athletic director, Alan Green, because there was probably a lot of pressure on him to hire Kevin Steele, uh, which would have probably been a disaster. So props to him for going out and getting a proven head coach. Harson has one at Boise State. He had, had a really good tenure there. You can sell that. I, I, I think that's a sensible hire. I, I don't think, it, you know, it doesn't jump off the page. It's a great hire, but this is Auburn. Everybody gets fired from Auburn. <laughs> yeah. So, you know that going in. So, it's just how, how consistent can you be. Um, but the thing I think it's important to realize for Auburn is, yes, Nick Saban is there, and that's the number one thing. but Kirby Smart being at Georgia, I think, was the death knell to Gus Malzahn's tenure. Because that's who Auburn looks at themselves at themselves against. Like it's Alabama, obviously, but Georgia's a huge rivalry too. Mm-hmm. And like Kirby's cut totally um built a fence around that state. They're getting every player they want out of there for the most part. And they're up there in their recruiting rankings. And they really I think that that impact. Yes, they've challenged Alabama a lot, but it's had a, I think it's had a direct impact on Auburn. And I think that's kind of why, why Malzahn went out. And then it makes you wonder if Alabama and, and Alabama and Georgia are operating like that, like they are right now, top five recruiting classes every year. Alabama's going to the playoff almost every year, but Georgia's winning 10 games, winning the East mm-hmm. right there. Like what is Auburn's ceiling, you know? Um while, while those two programs are operating at that type of level. It seems like it's lower. And so then it just comes, um, you know, expectations, which, you know, Auburn's expectations are out, out the wazoo. <laughs> uh, and so Harson will see if he works or not. But that definitely had – that search had a chance to get Tennessee levels of crazy. Um, and he did have the, the optics of where it looked like UAB – Head coach Bill Clark and Louisiana head coach Billy Napier kind of turned them down. Yeah, that's in public. Look. That's never good. Um, but Ron I think Venables they were cut. Yeah, lasted like ten minutes before he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm just even." Gonna, I'm... Tony Elliott, Clemson offensive coordinator, was linked too, and he got he had he said something in a Zoom press conference saying that that, that was total lies. He's not interviewing. He's not even interested. Kind of thing. Which Clemson, like what, like what is what are they? What's in the water up there? Drugs addicted like, that's why I know Venables his kids playing for him but I tweeted out earlier today it was like you know you don't you're going to still coach blue chip talent there's that whole like they say the Auburn family kind of thing mm-hmm. and so there's that whole kind of you know us little small town against everybody right. you know underdog you can sell and it's still he, he still doesn't want to go I just I don't understand it like 
I wonder if Chad Morris's failures just scarred every Clemson assistant forever ever leaving there because he's been just a you know a bomb everywhere he's went since. I mean, I guess he was good enough at SMU for Arkansas, nah, but he wasn't that, that he wasn't good yeah. enough to get the Arkansas job. Exactly. So, like Chad Morris, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that that he scared him straight. You know, he was just like that jail show. Like, do you want to end up like Chad Morris? Where now you're stuck on. I mean, I guess he was on Auburn staff this year, right? Yeah, and they, <laughs> yeah. They, they they he was on the Gus's last ticket. Man, yeah. So maybe that's what it is, but I I don't know. I don't know what'll get those Clemson guys to leave, and I don't know what like what job is Billy Napier waiting for. Like, yeah, I mean, is he just content with the raging Cajuns? I think reading in between the lines, South Carolina, I think he wanted them to invest more in him and his staff. South Carolina came out there paying Beamer $2.5 million. Oh, wow. So, uh, so that a lot of that money is going to be his staff, but I mean, that's a CEO sell. So, uh, and plus the Muschamp buyout. So, obviously, that allows them to get out for decently cheap. And then Auburn, um, you know, it's pretty obvious they want to keep Kevin Steele. They almost promoted him, the defense coordinator we talked about. Mm-hmm. Or Napier might have just not been cool with that. He might have wanted to go get his own Fair enough. defensive coordinator Fair enough. or whatnot. So he might have just been like, oh, I could wait around. Um, so, yeah, you know, you don't know. I mean, yeah, that, that seems like you can't ask for much better than that. But maybe he thinks I'll win 10, more, 10 or 11 games in Louisiana next year or Jerron if he keeps messing around who's just fired both of his coordinators this week or fired one retired. If he messes around oh, and gets uh, fired, he can get that job. retired? Yeah. Yeah, you knew that wasn't going to – that wasn't meant to last for very long. Um, Polini, my goodness, that was – Jesus Christ, that writing was on the wall <laughs> from a mile away. But you know what? Hey, I think Orgeron by finishing out with – by winning those last two games and finishing 500 did save – like he made it to where he didn't burn all of the goodwill he built up. Yeah. In, those were like, two big year wins. Two. Yeah. I mean, especially and they really the had no business. They really had no business winning either of them in the Arkansas game before that. Um, they Man, barely that, won that. That game against Ole Miss in the rain. Ole Miss. I don't, I don't know what to compare them to, but. They're like a team in basketball, Nick, that just presses every games in the eighties, but they end up losing like 88 to, 81 but well, it, but as of year you're like well that i don't know if they're all that good or not but they're fun as hell to watch and that's kind of what i get when i watch when i watch so maybe this year. maybe it's like the um tom crean iu teams that used to score like 98 points or whatever but they always like they always would get upset by teams they shouldn't have lost to but they're not that good they kind of remind me of um uh, like the Seattle Seahawks are probably going to play in some weird kind of game. Like that's just kind of what they do. Whereas Ole Miss, I, I, if they're on the Saturday night SEC Network special with Tom Hart and Cole Cuban, just turn it on SEC Network at nine o'clock, and you're I mean, you're going to get chaos at the end. Of I the had games. a, I mean, you, I had a lot of fun watching them play this year. Between the clipboard game and then they're playing in the downpour, Alabama, uh, they. They yeah. took Alabama to the wire almost. And when they're just like an onside kick where they got to, you know, call go their other way. That... Yeah, I think he cut it to seven, and it was like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter or something. He onsided it, and they yeah. didn't get it. And then Alabama scored like a play later. And then they got a late stop and scored again to make it worse than it really was. But, yeah, like the South Carolina game, the clipboard, they, they just had some moments this year. and They're going to sell a lot of tickets this offseason. Oh, yeah, they are. And you know those Ole Miss fans are just like Matt Corral's coming back for another year. They're freaking hyped. They uh, Ole Miss goes through some lulls, but they hire coaches and they usually they have some fun. <laughs> you look at uh, Hugh Freeze, his run. And now yeah, Ole Miss has Kiffin. never been accused of not having enough fun. I will tell you that. Yeah, and then Cutcliffe <laughs> had Eli, and they went on a little run there. They've had some runs that have been pretty fun. I think if you're a fan. Uh, but yeah, they're they're going to be a team that's talked about heavily this off season. It's going to be Cutcliffe uh, wasn't the head coach, was he? Mm-hmm. He was the head coach. He got fired. Or? Yeah, they fired him to hire Orgeron. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and before him, they had Tuberville. So they've had some, like, you look back, some pretty big-name coaches. Mm-hmm. Just look at the last five. Tuberville, Cutcliffe. Not, this is not counting Matt Luke. Tuberville, Cutcliffe, Orgeron, Hugh Freeze, and mm-hmm. now Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Big, big names in the SIP. <laughs> Am I right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked about signing day last week uh, in UK's coaching search with, with Freddie. We, we put that podcast on this feed and the KSR football podcast feed. If you didn't listen to it, you're crazy, you're nuts, you're bananas, because I thought that was a great conversation. It was one of those where there's a few times I'm like, damn it, I can't do this very often or else I sound like the idiot in the room. <laughs> um, but I did find it very amusing that immediately after the first game that we have to watch Cohen, the Jets beat the Rams. <laughs> oh, it's Funny like, how yeah. that works sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But Kentucky also hired an offensive line coach, Eric Wolford, uh, worst kept secret in Lexington. Uh, that guy is a trip, man. Like, yeah, he is. He, I mean, we only, it was probably, what, a 25, 30-minute press conference? But... If you thought Mark Stoops was Youngstown, like, holy crap, Wolford is the offensive line. I mean, he's an offensive line coach from Youngstown. He's just everything you would imagine. I mean, he goes by Wolf. His friends call him Wolf. You know, like, I mean, what more do I need to say? He's an O-line coach for sure. <laughs> he's definitely got uh, some sayings, um, unique sense of humor. Oh, yeah. That back and forth with Larry. Yeah, you can definitely see it. And then he brings a unique skill set, I think. Um, his time working for the 49ers, mm-hmm. I think it's going to help. I really – there was, you know, there was a couple people that just kept tweeting at me, like, just pointing to, like, very specific things. I, I don't think that's fair if you're doing a position coach hire to, like, oh, yeah, well – I mean, you can point to the fact that um, now Kevin Harris was the leading running back in the SEC. But then you could also say, well, they gave up a bunch of sacks. It's like, well, their offense just sucked overall. You got Will Muschamp on the he show. He had three, three play callers in four seasons there in South Carolina. Yeah. The body of work, though, the diversity in his resume, where mm-hmm. he's FCS head coach for a handful of years, and then as soon as he leaves, they go to a national title. So he's a recruiter. He can recruit like gangbusters. He spent a couple seasons in the NFL. Um, he's worked with Stoops previously. There's a there's a there's a lot of a nuance and depth to the point where like hell, I asked him. So you any areas of expertise in your recruiting? And he just names you know thirty of the fifty states in the union just because he's been everywhere. He's recruited a little bit of everywhere. He can do a little bit of everything for them. And I think that diversity. It's 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 nice to be able to plug into this coaching staff, especially a character with that kind of personality that can really fit the culture. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily getting him for recruiting either. No, um, but like if so, I, here's what I would tell somebody if they say, "Hey, Adam, I'm not sold on this offensive line coach." You know, you talk about FCS head coach. You talk about he's been an offensive line coach for these multiple different schemes. Mike's Lock, Michael Oxley, who's the head coach at Maryland, he was his offensive line coach when he was the offensive coordinator at Illinois. He worked at Arizona for Mike Stoops' brother. He went and worked for Chip Kelly for the 49ers. He worked uh, for three different coordinators for Will Muschamp. He's worked with defensive coaches um, throughout his entire career. When you look at Ron Zook at Illinois, Mike Stoops, Arizona, Mark Stoops now at Kentucky, Will Muschamp, South Carolina. And then I would tell someone, like, this this position group is pretty in pretty good shape. They recruited well. Kentucky's recruited a lot better on the offensive line than South Carolina has. And if this isn't up to snuff, I don't think Mark Stoops is going to let that slip away. Right. Because this is kind of how the program they've been built. They need, they need to continue to be really good up front on the offensive line, the way the state is producing offensive line talent. It's producing like Kentucky should be one of the better offensive lines in the SEC yearly if they're just able to recruit their home base well and hit on a couple out-of-state guys. Right, so, right. So if, it, if it's letting slip, I don't think he would be here for very long. 
Like they're going to make sure that they, they hit on this. So um, the bar track record goes, you can't ask for much more. You've got league experience. You've got everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an experienced guy like this is pro- it's going to help Cohen. I'm also curious too, from a specific scheme standpoint, you tweeted something or I don't know if you tweeted something or texted me or what, what it was, but when he was talking about running duos and wide zones and pin and pull, can you just kind of elaborate on what, that looks like versus what Kentucky typically did. Yeah, Kentucky was a base inside zone team for a long time. And then when Bolden Ball, and by me, my inside zone is you're pretty much – you're all the offensive line, you're either running a track to the left or the right, and you're creating a double team at some point, one, one side of the center and guard. They're creating a double team on a designated defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And if you get movement on the – defensive lineman, either the center or guard is going to climb up to the – so they designate level. the Mike linebacker as. And then right. that's where you can see a crease come off. Whereas um, – then that's its zone blocking scheme. And then you have gap blocking schemes, which are like your your counters, um, your power, you Those know, just fun. your typical run plays where you – where you the, really gap scheme is when you're pulling linemen. So on a counter, you're pulling backside linemen to kick somebody out. On a power, you're pulling a backside guard usually to lead up in the hole. Um, and so that's what those are. And now what Wolford does is something we really haven't seen. Uh, Kentucky ran some duo, I think, but it's not much. Um, duo is, I guess you would consider it. I don't know if you would consider it zone or gap, but you you double on each side. The, the, um, you have a double on each side, and then the, the running back reads. What, it's reading the linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then what time the linebacker runs to, you run to the other side. Pin and pull is just you down block one side and two guys uh, pull around and block somebody. That was the nubs. Do you remember the South Carolina halftime interview? That was a pin and pull run. We're going to run it to the nub side, and they scored a touchdown on it coming out of half, and they made a big deal on it. That was was pin and pull, if you go back and look at that. And then the the outside wide zone is what we're going to see from Cohen next year, which is what we kind of talked about last week on the podcast. Right, right. Which is everybody? Everybody runs sprint, like kind of sprints, and tries to reach block to one the right or the left. Then mm-hmm. it it helps create creases, and your running back sees a crease and goes. Um, when inside zone, you're going vertically. You're trying to get the defense to move vertically, but it's by force for the most part. Outside zone is you're you're making them go stretching them out. horizontal. Yeah, you're stretching yeah. them, but it's not really by force. They have to move that way because that's where you're going, and then it can create. Um, it creates natural kind of running lanes and cutbacks if your running back can hit it right. I would like to see uh, – I just love watching some of the – like a guy like – I mean, just because we've been talking about him a lot lately, but Jagger Burton, watching him pull and yeah. run down the line of scrimmage, like you've got a lot of really good athletes on that offensive line that can – Well, you're going to see the recruiting profile change a little bit, I think, on the O-line. Where you got a little bit better athletes? Is that kind of what you're hitting at, or? Yeah, I don't think. Like, I think mass was important. Mm-hmm. Like, just for example, like Nicholas, John, <laughs> John Young, Logan Stenberg, David Wollabaw. Mm-hmm. Those guys were all probably guards in the previous game. Yeah, they can play tackle now. Yeah, John Young, and I think Wollabaw is a tackle now for sure. And <laughs> guys like Kenneth Horsey. That's kind of kind of be your guard shape moving forward. Kind of coming out of high school is probably 280 or so, gets to 295, 300, and can move around. Less so is your Austin, Austin Dotsons. You're just your full-on power players. Right, right, right. I'm curious, uh, your thoughts, like it, I know you have no opinion on this whatsoever, but today the all-SEC teams released by the coaches, and – they had a center and five offensive linemen on it. Lane and Young was first team. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to know your thoughts on the makeup of the All-SEC team. On these O-line, they do a lot of it based off the off- SEC offensive linemen of the week. And I think Landon won that twice. Mm-hmm. I, want to know, I want to know who grades that. <laughs> like, who's – like, they have some stats and they pull – he had – umpteen knockdown blocks or right 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 who in, the, who in birmingham is it. who in birmingham <laughs> is like watching the tape and 
Like, because they had, they must have access to stats that I can't get a hold of. <laughs> but here's my thing with it. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. I, don't, I think the selections, I wouldn't, there wasn't any like, oh, crazy. This guy wasn't on. This guy's here. This guy's there. Well, there were some. I, I, I guess that they, since they had five offensive linemen in a center, and I saw where uh, Deontay, what's his name? So they had at least one guard in there. But it yeah, wasn't the, the guy from the Alabama, Deontay. We're not going to have five offensive tackles in our first yeah. team because I know that drives you just bad shit. Crazy. Well, <laughs> I've gotten to the point now, like on the second team, like I think Jamin Davis had a legit chance to be second team linebacker. But mm-hmm. what they do is on every team in the Southeastern Conference, okay, that runs a 3 4 defense, which is about all of them. Yeah. Except for Pellini, who went to 4 3 this year. Mm, that worked well is you have inside linebackers are with one coach, outside linebackers are with another position coach. They're not even – like at practice, they're not even the same position. No, no. Yet, we have them grouped together on these all-SEC teams. So, like, they just stuck three outside linebackers on the, the second team. You had Aziz Ojolari, who deserved it, Chris Freyallen from Alabama, um, and one more guy who's escaping me right now. Like the all SEC be, teams are like still four three, basically they're four threes. In no we need to we need to just change that. Like that they yeah. all like edge needs to be position, and then inside linebacker needs to be a position. Like in the NFL and, and like, PFF all does them it. together, right? Yeah, it's not that difficult. And then like I've said before, like like a slot receiver, there just needs to be a slot receiver. Yeah, like get rid of the. We don't need the all purpose. Like that's stupid. Just get rid of that. And they're typically that all purpose is a slot it's, receiver. It's a being a slot. And then on defense, every team runs nickel majority of snaps. Just there needs 50 to be, B. Yeah. You need to be a nickel. There needs to be a nickel on the on the, these all conference teams. But that's just uh, my soapbox. I, I'll talk about it till I'm blue in the face. Probably nothing will ever change. But you're a little red that, in the face. But that just might be all of your holiday cheer. Yeah. Are you a big Christmas music guy? Look at no. Oh yeah, you don't. Start I know you are. I'm very big Christmas music guy. Just big holiday guy in general. I watched a chick flick last night instead of the Steelers Bengals game because I assumed that the the Steelers were going to beat the brakes off of them. And you would assume the, wrong, dude. What the hell is going on with them, man? I don't, just the NFL. Like this is the first time I've really like invested in a team in a while, and just. Let's let's go get undefeated and have all of our good players get hurt at the end of the year. Sure, why not? That sounds like fun. I mean, Ryan freaking Finley. Look at you know Ryan Finley's garbage. He sucks. Yeah, he's he terrible. Stinks. How how did they lose the team with Ryan Finley at quarterback? You didn't have Joe Mixon. Like what? Well, they were just and they were running just old school zone read option. Jesus like, Christ! They killed the Steelers with it. It was I couldn't believe it. It was wild. But Dupree's out. Watts out. Avery wasn't even going to be starting, and he's started almost every game since he's been yeah. there because – Well, as so the injuries, they can change it all. Looks like Big Ben's probably hurt a little bit. God, and he then, cannot move at all. Holy and then, crap. But, like, you look at the Bengals, if they would have had Burrow through this little run they just went through. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're 3-10-1 right now. You could easily – they could easily be 6-7-1, and 5-8-1. Hey, good for you, though. Better draft pick. Yeah, I'm all for it. Let's get Ben A. Soul in there Which, and get a good man, player at the top of the second round. Jets, you idiots. My goodness. How stupid do you have to be to win a football game? God. That's why they kept Adam Gates, and then they mess around and win that one. Good for the Jaguars, <laughs> though, man. Good for them. Good for Josh Allen, yeah. I mean. Now everybody's on everybody's on Bears watch this weekend because I've seen a few, uh, Bear, a few people put out, you know, all – Y'all, everybody's assuming that the Bears won't mess around and lose to the Jaguars. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know. But Jacksonville could use could use James Robinson. Lawrence, that franchise his, um, has been solid for him. So and hell, we saw what they did. Was it this three or four years ago where they went to the AFC Championship game? So you know, say it can't be done. Now, granted, like nobody on that team is still there. They're all gone, and they're having success elsewhere. Clayus Campbell and Gakwe, Jalen Ramsey, but nevertheless, yeah. But you get if you have enough draft picks, which I think the the Jags have stashed some draft picks. Mm-hmm. You get a cornerstone, 
which one would Lawrence would be. Yeah, the edge rusher. Yeah, you got that. You yeah, get running back. You nail the the draft. Nail your draft picks two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Get a couple free agents, and you're right. I mean, you're right there. Especially in that division that's, too. That but just that's how the NFL's built. You should like, not stink for very long in the NFL. Yeah. Like it's built to where you can bounce back very quickly. I I did not realize how much I just loved NFL football because of not just that they have a good TV product where you can just pop on red zone and not just because it's easy to follow, but week to week, the unpredictability of it is so entertaining. And I think that goes back to your point on the college football playoff that just really sucks about what they've done to the sport. And they, they've taken some of the week to week out of it. Now I know this year's weird because like week week to week, I mean, you couldn't even we know what know. games were happening, right. you know, like, I mean, you get rivalries taken away. So like I get where this year there's more to it. And, but I, I do worry, you know, we, we've talked about it enough that you don't have that sort of week to week heartbreak that you get in college football because in the NFL, it really is just you never know. I mean, hell, for the Eagles, they get Jalen uh, Hurts in there, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, so maybe everything isn't awful. Like a lot of it's it's such a grind too in the mm-hmm. NFL. It's just week to week, getting to Sunday, playing a game, getting to Sunday, playing. I mean, it's just a grind that affects everybody, and I think that's that's a lot to do with some of these upsets you see. Like and no, you, you make a very good point, which brings us to the final point of the day. And I wanted to let y'all know too, we're going to, it's holidays. We want to relax a little bit more. So we're, we're saving up most of our bowl preview for next week. We're really getting the nitty gritty of the X's and O's. And when I say next week, don't fear. Cause there was a moment today like it where people feared, Oh my gosh, is the Gator bowl going to be off? Because Brandon Marcello from 24 seven sports tweeted uh, shortly after South Carolina announced they're out of the Gasparilla Bowl that uh, what keep an eye on Kentucky, they might be next. Well, turn that, that had absolutely no legs like it. I mean, when Very I saw that, lift. yeah, I mean, it was, when I saw that, I was in the middle of a little uh, radio lunch. It was our Christmas radio lunch at Roosters because that's where that's where all of our radio meetings are. Got to go to Roosters and, and eat some chicken wings and load up on apps too. That's a place where you can be like a king because you just, you know what? It's only three or four bucks. Let's get one of these, one of these. I'm a big fried pickle guy. Love some fried pickles. I got good fried pickles. Yeah, Roosters, great. bang for your buck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without You don't that. leave there hungry and you don't leave there with your wallet taking too hard of a hit. Unless Man. you're rolling in the beers. I had some donkey sauce wings today. Those are good. Yeah. Man, they were extra fire. Like, I don't know what it was, but that that's the thing I like about places that make their own hot sauce. And we do this at KS Bar too, where every once in a while you just get a batch that's a little bit spicier mm-hmm. and you're not ready for it. And also, it just lights your ass up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as soon as I got my wet naps and got all the sauce on my fingers, I saw the Brandon Marcello thing and I was like, were they just practicing? Like, what's going on and i thought well maybe maybe some people brought it back to campus after that break um but basically everybody at kentucky was just as shocked by that report as well it came from out of nowhere and uh i mean there was nothing to it so and in fact the sentiment that i got when reaching out to folks about that was like really they're just happy that they like they're pumped to be playing football again because that grind you alluded to with the NFL like it, they were in that meat grinder and they got, I think 10 days off and just to be able to exhale and then come back, they're having fun playing football again. And I think that's really important. Stoops learned early in that first Texler bowl, how not to run bowl practices. And after giving those guys a week, there's, there's been a nice balance of, we're going to have some fun playing football out there. And they're definitely doing that right now. And that's what you want. You want you want guys playing fun and loose going into a bowl game. I think it's what we talked about around a month ago when Stoops said he didn't know if they were playing a bowl. And I just – I said they just needed time off. Like, you just need some time off to, to drain. Once they get some time off, I think they'll be ready to go. And that's what you're seeing. And then Stoops just said, you know, 
they, they had no one out for COVID pretty much. Like yeah. they're hundred <laughs> percent right now, you know, they're right. going to go home for Christmas, but you got to monitor that, but they're, they're fine right. from a COVID standpoint right now. So yeah, uh, that report uh, was shot down pretty quickly. And I think really, I think this whole season, Kentucky's just the culture they built in that football facility. I mean, it, it's pretty, pretty good, strong right now. Um, to go through the season they went yeah. through to, to I, you know, everything they went through and to still um, be wanting to play. Um, that, that tells you a lot about the type of kids they're recruiting, um, how the coaches relate to the players, and just uh, the hierarchy of the locker room from the seniors or the leaders and all the way down the chain. And everybody falls in line. I just think it's really, really healthy over there right now. Now, that culture – it's something you have to work on every year. Like it just cause it's like this now doesn't mean it goes away. Like you keep having, you keep having to work on it over and over and over. And it took some hits this year. It's it stood strong, but you still have to rebuild it. Um, but as of right now, it, they're in a really good spot. And that's, that's how you survive years like this down years mm-hmm. um, and give yourself a chance to have great years um, by when you're riding the roller coaster um, by not the, the low, like right, raising the floor on your lows. If, if you can do that, um, then that, that, that can allow you to accomplish some bigger things, which is the ultimate goal. Yeah. And the good thing is too, is the four, even the four is still, it was like a historic high five years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a totally different season if it's regular year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're back in the Gator Bowl. And for guys like Landon Young, I guess Quentin Bohannon would have been in that class. Um, Luke Fortner. No, Landon would – or Bohannon, tr- he was class of 2017. He was, He's a true senior? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't consider that because there has been a lot of talk of, oh, maybe he doesn't go pro. I know uh, Justin Rowland reported that Justin Rigg um will in fact return um for another year which with his injury luck i could see why he might want to give it another go around uh bohanna though that i I didn't know that he was a true um senior Mm -hmm. so that 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 could maybe be a reason why he's like you know what why the hell not run it back he he appears to really like being on campus at kentucky so you know why not um but I, I kind of got off the – I lost my train of thought there. But I do like that Stoops is real big on hitting the reset button, the refresh button right now. And I think it is a symbolic way to kind of put the first successful chapter of Stoops' tenure to bed by going out and winning the bowl game that you lost to start things out. Like that would just be the most – I mean, I know this is me just being a journalist and a storytelling kind of guy and just thinking up of the Stoops era in my head. But that's kind of how things have unfolded, where they kind of stunk at first because there was a big rebuild. You get grain in there to put them over the top. Things get stale. You hit refresh. And now your goal is to have a four- or five-year run like that previous one. But instead of one eight-win season and one ten-win season, you're having – you know, an eight win, a nine win, and then an 11 win season as you're kind of peaking this next chapter. So I, I think by allowing these seniors a chance for vengeance in the Gator Bowl and not just calling it the Tax Layer Bowl, because that was so freaking annoying. Yeah. I didn't even call it that when it was. It was terrible. But, and you get to play a team like NC State that isn't just going to run some, I mean, they've got kind of a gimmicky defense. They run that 3 3 5 junk again. Um, but to do it against a team, uh, that isn't some, you know, weird. Like, I, I know we kind of worried about the, the Neil Brown aspect that they had to play West Virginia. Um, you, you worried about going through a meat grinder against a team like Iowa or Wisconsin. Let's be honest. Like, at these ACC teams, it's good to have Kentucky's defense going up against them, even though they did struggle against a, a Virginia Tech team, Virginia Tech's offense a year ago. It was the best matchup they could ask for. Top 25 team, North Carolina State. It's a team, though, that – you could argue Kentucky's better than in a lot of areas. Um, North Carolina State's just won a lot of close games where Kentucky's lost any close game. Um, but but Kentucky's four wins have been in blowout fashion. Even the Vanderbilt game that was going to be a 20-plus point win 
if they don't pull the starters super, super early. And so I just think it, they, they match up really well with them. Now the three, three, five is a worry. Um, their linebackers are dudes or two inside linebackers, but it's not as, I, I don't think it's as big of a headache as the Mississippi state one they saw from a scheme standpoint, mm-hmm. um, Mississippi state defense corner, Zach Arnett, they are a little more, um, I think more unpredictable with some of their stuff from the Rocky long tree where Tony Gibson, um, who was a long time assistant under rich rod, um, yeah. they kind of do it a little differently. That adds up. So I think that that's going to help um, in this aspect, but I think it's good for the program to go up against to go up against that because as long as our nets there at Mississippi state, they're going to have to figure out how to attack that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it'll be good just to, just to get out there and play against something else and just to have more data to pull from, like, this is what we did. This is how reacted mm-hmm. to this scheme, whatnot. And just your players getting used to playing against something like that, which I think is good. And, but overall, I think it's a, it was a, it was a best moment matchup for Kentucky and it's a game. I, I think they, they should win as of right now. And the Florida aspect of it, like just going to a bowl game in Florida even though you're not going to get the five-day kind of holiday out of it that you normally would, you're still going to Florida. Like, like you go to Jacksonville quite a bit. I mean, it's Panhandle, Florida, but it's still Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean – You can still play golf down there right now. You bringing your sticks down there? Oh, yeah. Oh, you bastard. Do they have a course? Like, do, do your in-laws live on a golf course? I just they, assume that they, if you retire to Florida, you have – Go, you, you just walk out your backyard they don't of course they don't live on a course but like there's a like in there they live in tpc sawgrass which kind of like their neighborhood backs up to the to the to big sawgrass uh-huh. and, but then there's all but at the beginning of the neighborhood there's i can't think of the it's like a it's a it used to be open to everybody that lived there but it went private now it's a private country club so there's a there's there's that in there but i cannot think think of <laughs> But those yeah. those those are a little too pricey around there, Nick. We have to go. We take a little drive, go some places to play golf. You got to go where the Oklahoma folks. Play. Yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, there's golf courses. I mean, they're they're everywhere. Yeah, there. yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be a great way to spend the holidays. You son of. In hey, folks, that that's the thing about the reduced capacity. It's it's deterred some folks away, but I'm sure you can still get tickets. Get in to the game of Jacksonville because hey people are still freaking out about COVID. So if you're I believe they said thirteen thousand during the press conference. Yeah, the number I just did the math and twenty five percent of their capacity is right around fifteen K. So uh that's enough to get in there, have a good time, uh, go to the beaches. Jacksonville, the beaches area is real nice. Jacksonville so spend... Beach is nice there, that area. If you're gonna yeah, go there, yeah. that's I would I would recommend if stay there. If you're yeah, going stay, there, stay there, drive in for the game, but there's yeah. stuff to do out there. There's a the beach aspect. There's all you can do New Year's bars and restaurants. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice. Um, that's where we spent New Year's. And uh Top Golf is out not too far from that area, I don't believe. And there's, there's yep, other that's stuff. Correct. There. But Jacksonville Beach would be my recommendation of the area to stay. Man, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good time. You'll be down there, as we mentioned. I I will be this will be the first bowl game I haven't been to since the BBVA Compass Bowl. Which who could forget that? Except everyone. I missed last year's. I didn't do Liberty. Here they went. I never did any of those games because I was I was ba- I was playing basketball. You couldn't Stoop, dip out during basketball yeah. season. Yeah. The Stoops era, I've done. I did all of them except last year. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully the Gator Bowl this year, when it's actually the Gator Bowl, will provide some good memories. It's going to be a little wonky. Stoop said that here's the thing. Stoop said that it's Vince Merrill's offense. Are, are we do we really think Vince is gonna call gonna, the plays? Yeah, it's a, yeah, I think so. I think there's gonna be a little think tank going on, obviously, but seem that way. You know, we're gonna see a few gadget plays. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh I just Man, I I'm I have no idea what that's gonna look like because you know like I I know I don't either because Vince is a dude who wears his emotions on his sleeves and if that's the case, man, that could get wonky in this game. I would just uh, they're gonna let it all hang I, out, aren't they? I, well, 
I like the point where Mark Stoops says, I'm going to be over in the offensive meeting room <laughs> a lot more. And what that tells Vince me – his hand on the controllers, but I'm going to be oh, in that, that room. That room. tells me you were going to see a good chunk of Wildcat formation if Mark Stoops is over in the offensive <laughs> game planning room. And Chris we'll Rodriguez up. is going to get his touches. 30, yeah, he's going to get 30 carries. Oh, man. It's going to be fun, though. I'm, I'm glad we're going to have a, a fun hoorah with this group because even though the season didn't go according to plan, one one more time to have fun and then move forward. Absolutely. And we got press conference season. Your man is white started his, his tour. <laughs> and we've got some takeaways. That we can we can get into later if we want. But okay, good, good. Well, I've well, started I've started my uh, uh my little adventure. We got a few notes down. We got Brett Bielema, Butch Jones, Clark Lee, Beamer. They're all in the tank. Did, did they actually have Clark Lee's available to watch anywhere? Yeah, I was so surprised. Right away, I got it. <laughs> Same day. So good job, Vanderbilt. Oh man. You know what? If you just do a brain dump and don't have any organized thoughts, but just like brain dump of introductory press conferences, that could be a post. Yeah. And it could be really entertaining because who knows what the hell's coming out of their mouths. Yeah, I could probably pull some stuff. Lee was probably my favorite so far, I will say that. Oh. Not Bert. Bielma, yeah, uh, he's interesting. But I think Lee I think that like he delivered what you wanted to hear. It wasn't like him being out of character or anything like that. Shout out to Bielema for um, being on College Game Day with the Chiron Live, Brett Bielema's car. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I, know. I saw that, that on going. Sunday and I was like, oh my goodness. But it's, I'm glad he's back. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have him back in college football where he belongs. But we've got to get out of here. We're going to go celebrate Christmas. I hope you all have a holly jolly holiday. Spend time with your family safely if you can. Um, and just enjoy a little little R&R before the cats go down to Jacksonville and take on the Wolfpack in the Gator Bowl. We'll have more on that matchup next week. And until then, Merry Christmas from Adam Luckett and Nick Roush. This has been 11 Personnel.